The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists, and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So it is my pleasure to welcome for his podcast debut, Harry Pym. Hi, Harry. Hi, Tommy. Nice to meet you. Absolutely. So tell us a bit about yourself and then I'm really keen to get into today's topic because we get tons of questions about this and it's a really relevant topic unless you're over the age of 40. Yeah. Hi there. My name's Harry Pym. I'm an independent financial advisor at Legal and Medical Investments. I'm authorised and regulated to give financial advice by the Financial Conduct Authority. I've actually been working in this industry, giving financial advice to doctors and dentists and those in the NHS nearly for five years now, which has really flown by. As an independent financial advisor, I often find that the job is mostly surrounding problem solving, really. So assessing everyone's needs and financial circumstances on a case-by-case basis. So that's why I've got into this industry. It's problem solving and no two meetings are the same. So it's always, you know, each week you treat it on its own merits, which I find quite a refreshing industry. Yeah. I mean, Legal Medical, one of the original firms that first came on board at Medics Money. So I was super happy to be working with you guys. So Lifetime ISAs, we get tons of questions about this. I think it's because we've mentioned it a few times, but we've never gone into like a lot of detail. So today we're going to go into detail, but shall we start with the basics for those that aren't aware? What is a Lifetime ISA? So the Lifetime ISA or LISA as it's known is a really useful savings vehicle that effectively anyone from the ages of 18 to 39 at least can open one of the Lifetime ISA savings vehicles. It's technically part of your ISA allowance. So many people know the ISA and the individual savings accounts. You get the £20,000 limit that you can save to that in a tax efficient environment. The Lifetime ISA is a bit more of a niche vehicle that can save towards either buying your first property, which I'm sure we'll touch upon as we get further into this podcast, and also potentially being used towards retirement, which can be a really useful complementary vehicle to a pension as well. So a very useful savings vehicle indeed. Yeah. And so I hinted at this before by saying, unless you're over 40, so you've got to be age 18 or over, but under the age of 40. So if you're over the 40 and you haven't opened one, is that it? If you are over the age of 40 and you haven't opened one, you have missed the countdown to open your first lifetime ISA. But anyone within that gap of 18 to 39, that's the ages when you should, I suppose, either seek advice or, you know, read up online and get to more get to analyzing whether a lifetime ice is something that's worth it for you so it's in the situations that it can be used for is a very useful tool so it's 18 to 39 is the cutoff date but if you've already opened one before that you can keep contributing to the lifetime ISA up until the age of 50 so past the age of 40 if you've got one open you can still keep contributing towards it okay great so there's different types of ISA as well so should we run through the different types yeah of course so the different types of ices of course with lifetime ices and ices in general you've got cash ices or cash lices so as it says on the tin the funds within the lysa can only be held in cash but it is in a tax-free environment and you do get the government uplift so probably should stress the mechanics of how the lifetime isa works as well so you've got the four thousand pound limit that as we said forms part of the twenty thousand overall isa limit every year so 
effectively, if you've contributed 16,000 to an ISA that year, you've still got an additional 4,000 that you can look to put into the lifetime ISA. So they count towards the same overall allowance. But the key thing that makes it so useful as a tool is that for every contribution that you make, the government's going to give you a 25% bonus. So it's capped. The most that you can contribute is £4,000 a year. So effectively, in simple terms, if you contribute £4,000, for example, the government will give you the £1,000 uplift onto the lifetime ISA. So you can see it's quite useful building that savings pot for your first home deposit or, you know, towards your eventual retirement goals as well. Yeah, I mean, that is a really useful bonus. So just to clarify, as you said, if you put in, you know, £1, the government give you an extra 25% additional bonus. And if you put in the maximum £4,000, as you said, you could get up to £4,000 government bonus. Yeah, so it's working towards that goal. It's effectively... It's one of those, uh, the earlier you start contributing to it, you know, within reason, if it's suitable for your circumstances at the time, the more the tax-free savings that you've got in your lifetime ISA can grow and start compounding over time. And it's also, I think, worth mentioning that it's not limited to, you know, one per couple if you're looking to buy a property with your partner, but you can both have a lifetime ISA, which effectively we look at it that you're both saving £4,000 a year. You're both getting the £1,000, the bonus, the 25% uplift. And if you're both doing that, effectively, you save £10,000 in a year, which is pretty good going if you're maximising the lifetime ISA allowance. One common question that we get from people who find out about lifetime ISAs is, can you transfer cash from your other ISAs that you mentioned into your lifetime ISA? Yes, there's nothing stopping you doing that. Obviously, the age-related boundaries remain to the 18 to 39. As long as you're within those, there's nothing stopping you for transferring anything into the lifetime ISA from a cash account. Just check with the provider at the time, again, that it's suitable and that they're willing to do that. But it shouldn't be an issue, by and large, with most providers to transfer money into a lifetime ISA pending leftover allowance that year. Yeah, of course. And as you said, it forms part of your annual total ISA allowance, which is £20,000. So you gave the Mm -hmm. example that you put £16,000 in another type of ISA, and then that would leave you £4,000 to put in your lifetime ISA, making a total of 20. So that all sounds great. Give me some downsides or things to be aware of. Like, for example, if you need to withdraw the cash or you don't use it for the first home purchase or retirement. Exactly. So uh, as with anything, it's always worth uh, analysing the pros and cons and uh, working out if there's any potential drawbacks and especially seeking advice if you need more guidance on it, especially. So some of the biggest drawbacks I think I get asked about. So the biggest one is if you don't, like you've alluded to, use the lifetime ISA for buying your first property or using it towards retirement, there is a 25% penalty for withdrawing it for a purpose it's not intended to or taking it out early. Effectively, It does work out as it's slightly more than a 25% penalty in effect. It's over 6% that effectively they'd be penalising you for taking it out early. Um, The example, I think, to best look at it, if you put in £1,000, you've got £1,250 in your lifetime ISA. If you take that out, the penalty of 25% applies on the £1,250, not the £1,000 that you originally contributed. So actually, there's a slightly higher penalty uh, if you take it out. So that's one of the key things to be aware of. Another thing we get asked, or I've seen a a few times with clients, is if you've already received a property in your name through inheritance or a trust or your partner owns a property, then you can't use the lifetime ISA to buy your first property 
with the government bonus. You can still use the LISA as an account, but it loses its tax efficiency because you'll be penalised with any government bonus that you might have received. So those are two of the most common scenarios I find just to be aware of. But again, it's, you know, if you're using a lifetime ISA vehicle, then you're still benefiting from that tax-free environment and compounding it over time. So it's always worth seeking advice or, you know, again, doing your research to make sure that it's a suitable savings vehicle for you. Yeah, that's a great explanation of how the withdrawal penalty light, it works. I like that because it's 25% of the total in the ISA, not mm. what you contributed. So I like that. That's really clear. So we've been sort of talking about the things that you can use it for. So should we talk about if you're a first time buyer and you're thinking about is a lifetime ISA right for you? Yeah, of course. So I think we used to get asked a lot more about comparing a lifetime ISA versus the help to buy ISA and which one's better for me. And I think before any of the listeners or the viewers scramble after this to look at help to buy ISAs uh, as a plot spoiler, they're close to new applications since December 2019. But there are still people out there that have got the help to buy ISAs in place. So I think it's often worth analysing if you've got one of those, whether you'd be better off staying put with the help to buy ISA that you've already got or whether the lifetime ISA would be better for you. Every circumstance is different, which, again, I hate to sit on the fence, but it's worth looking at each scenario in turn. But I think one of the key examples, the lifetime ISA, if you're looking to buy it for your first property, you have to have had the lifetime ISA open for at least 12 months to use it for your first property. So that's one of the biggest pitfalls that often can be missed in the small print of the lifetime ISA. So just make sure that you've had it open for at least 12 months. That's step number one, personally. It's also got the £450,000 max property value when you buy a lifetime ISA. So Again, for clients in my area and Bristol or those living in London, you might be a bit harder pressed to find properties that you might want potentially with the lifetime ISA limit of £450,000. But again, when we looked at, I referenced the help to buy ISA, the limits were a bit a bit stricter in terms of the limit of the property value. Unless you lived in London, typically the help to buy ISA the property limit was £250,000. Unless, of course, if you lived in London where the limit was £450,000. So Although the lifetime ISA has got restrictions, it was a bit less restrictive than the help to buy ISA was. So again, depends on your scenario at the time about which one might be more suitable. Great info. And and what about, could you use your lifetime ISA for a self-build property? You can use it for self-builds. Yeah, you can also use it for some circumstances with shared ownership with laddering up, but it's quite a niche scenario there that you would have to, again, get advice on. I would definitely stress that. You can't use it for buy-to-let properties. Um, So just be mindful that what the LISA was intended to be used for was to help first-time buyers get on the property ladder and get their first residential home. It wasn't intended to help tax efficiency for buying buy-to-let. So just be mindful that that's not what the intended purpose of the lifetime ISA is for. But self-builds, some circumstances of shared ownership, right to buy, these are all examples that you can use the lifetime ISA for your deposit. So like, how does the process work? Say you've got your lifetime ISA, you've had it for over a year, you found a property that fulfills the criteria. Do you just like take out all the cash out of the lifetime ISA and then, you know, send that to the bank? Or how does the process actually work when you go to buy your first property? Yeah, so exactly. One of the, again, uh, a key pitfall, make sure that you don't withdraw the money yourself when it comes to getting the LISA out ready for your deposit. You would have to speak with your solicitor or your conveyance when it comes to the house buying process. So 
deal with them, make sure the money's you know, ready to be sent to your conveyancer for exchange rather than taking the money out yourself because then you'll be hit with the withdrawal penalty. So again, seek advice at the time, make sure that you don't take any big financial decisions with your lifetime ISA before you've checked about any ramifications of taking it out early. So you would speak with your solicitor and your conveyancer just to make sure that it's done the proper way and you're not penalized by, you know, with your good intentions of trying to get everything ready on time because it can be quite a stressful process when you're buying a house. So it can be easily missed. So that was a great summary of if you're going to use the lifetime ISA to buy your first home. But there are other ways that you could potentially use this lifetime ISA. Should we talk a bit about those? Definitely. I think on that topic as well, if you've got a longer term horizon of what you might be wanting to use the lifetime ISA for, it doesn't just have to be held in cash with the cash lifetime ISA. You can also have what's called a stocks and shares lifetime ISA. Uh, where the money within the lifetime ISA can be invested. Again, it needs to be assessed whether that suits you know, your need as an individual, because uh, everyone's needs and risk tolerance of where they might want to put that money is different. The key thing, I think, if you are looking to invest the money or have the money in the stocks and shares LISA invested, is make sure that you've got the right time horizon first. So I think if you're looking to buy your first property in the next five years, I would strongly consider well, looking potentially at a cash lifetime ISA if it's within the next five years, simply because if the stock market is volatile, if your deposit goes down, then that can lead to a bit of stress and money lost if you need to buy a property within a certain time frame. So just being cautious there, always make sure that you take the right level of risk with the money that you are investing. As with the time old principle that, you know, if you're looking at where the money's invested, you have to make sure that you're taking the right level of risk for you and uh, you've got enough time to be invested. So stocks and shares, lifetime ISAs, you can have the higher potentials for future growth, but it's not guaranteed. So typically anything over five years, ideally 10 years or longer, that's the sort of time horizon that we typically see people looking to have their money invested in a stocks and shares lifetime ISA. Yeah, that's a really good guide, like you say. So for the short term, possibly depending on your circumstances the cash lifetime ISA might be best for you and you're still getting mm -hmm. effectively a 25% return on that because the government are giving you their 25% bonus essentially aren't they and then for the longer term stocks and shares may may be the correct option mm -hmm. for you one thing that we get asked a lot is like pension versus lifetime ISA where are you with that so Personally, I think the lifetime ISA is not competing with the pension. I think that's the starting point. And I know we've had previous years that have kept us very busy with your podcast and covered it very well in the past with the annual allowance issues that doctors have been faced with in particular. The LISA isn't affected. It doesn't impact your annual allowance when it comes to pension planning. So rather than competing with the pension, the NHS pension or any personal pensions that you have, the lifetime ISA is complementary rather than competing. And I think that's the key way to look at it. One of the big things, you know, with the NHS pension in particular, especially with the 2015 section, is that it's not just linked to a specific age anymore. It's linked to your state retirement age, which, you know, as we can see, it has been increasing and is probably likely to increase in the future. I don't want to stick my neck on the line and make any predictions there, but it's just as we've seen in the past. The lifetime ISA itself is set to the age of 60 that you can access that money towards your retirement without penalty as long as you wait until the age of 60. So as it currently stands, of course, legislation might change, the government's policy might change, but it's still set to the age of 60 rather than being set to a, a state retirement age that could move. 
I like that. It's like nicely complementary to the pension because obviously the pension, you get tax relief on your contributions on the way in and the lifetime ISA, you do not get tax relief on the contributions on the way in. But the growth inside your lifetime ISA is free of tax because it's inside that lifetime ISA wrapper. And then, as you said, the 2015 scheme to retirement age is linked to state retirement age. And I think this is something that a lot of doctors underestimate. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. But in that way, the lifetime ISA can complement that quite nicely because it could allow you to bridge the gap between your desired retirement age and mm. your actual retirement age as well. So yeah, that's why I love it. But I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, exactly the same. And I think bridging the gap is, is a really good terminology to use. And I use it with clients all the time because it's Whilst you can take the 2015 section, I know we're focusing on that, but it's a lot of the younger listeners, of course, will be in the 2015 section. So you can access it before the state retirement age, of course, but there's a you know a penalty, an actuarial reduction if you do access it before the age of 68, which again is worth you know speaking with an advisor or looking at you know doing your own research in terms of how that can impact your NHS pension. Whereas, like you said, the lifetime ISA, you can access it at 60 without penalty. It's growing in a tax-free environment within the lifetime ISA. And when you do take it out at 60, you're not paying tax on the lifetime ISA when you access it at that stage. Unlike the pension, which you do get your 25% uh, you know, tax-free, but then the rest is going to be taxed at your income. Uh, so they work together and you know, alongside things like property, savings, other investments, the lifetime ISA is another arrow in your quiver effectively to help you plan for retirement. And I think the key thing that I'm always saying is the earlier you start planning for these things, if the lifetime ISA is deemed appropriate for you when you've you know, assessed your individual circumstances, then potentially it can be used alongside everything else just to, I suppose, ease an easier retirement or you know, put it back in your own terms rather than, I suppose, being more stressed when it comes to decisions later on if you've not already planned ahead effectively. Yeah, I think, as you said, it's just a nice compliment to it and it's nice if you can do it. Okay. That was an awesome summary. Like I said, we've talked about lifetime ISAs a lot in the past, so I don't think we've ever gone into that level of detail, which hopefully is really helpful for you. Like, what's your parting words of wisdom, a summary of everything that we've talked about, if that's not putting you on the spot too much? No, of course. So, yeah, I think in summary, lifetime ISA, first you need to assess, first, do you meet the boundaries of the 18 to 39 range to set one up? Um, if you haven't set one up already, it's not that it's mandatory to do so, but it's strongly worth considering. And I think seeking advice to make sure that um, does it fit your circumstances? Uh, you know, either scenario number one, are you a first time buyer and have never owned property before and are looking to buy a property under the value of £450,000? That's step number one that could be a really useful tool in helping you buy your first home. Conversely, if you're looking and quite keen and wanting to start your retirement planning journey a bit earlier, then a lifetime ISA with the years of compounding and the government bonus and uplift that you can gather therein might fit your circumstances if you're looking to essentially bridge that gap towards retirement. But it shouldn't be seen as something that replaces your pension or the NHS pension. But you should be looking if you've got the excess cash and the, it fits your circumstances, maybe considering setting up a lifetime ISA if it fits your needs. Love it. That was an amazing summary. I think that's going to be turned into a YouTube short or some kind of Instagram reel. I can feel it right now. Brilliant. Okay, Harry, that was awesome summary. Best place to contact you, 
Fire Medics Money, should I put the link down below? Yeah, definitely Medics Money. We've got the profile on there. If you want to contact me, my email address is harry at legalandmedical.co.uk and I'll be on there and happy to help any inquiries that we get. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. First podcast, I think you smashed it. I look forward to doing some more in the future. Thanks so much for your time. Cheers, Tommy. See you soon.